All right. Great to see everyone this morning. It was uh, less than, well, I guess it was just a few months ago now, but I was uh, having an opportunity to teach and preach in uh, North Arkansas. And uh, the town's name, I think it was Mountain Home, Arkansas. They had a, a youth rally on a Friday and Saturday and a worship together on Sunday. And on Saturday, we had a question and answer period. And um, I did something very dangerous. I, and there were about, I think, three or four or 500 people there. So I just said, hey, if you have a question, just text it to me. And so I gave my phone number out to hundreds of teenagers. Uh, I've gotten some texts since then, by the way. I, I pleaded with them and said, listen, you don't, don't send me crazy texts in the middle of the night. I, I would appreciate that. But if you have questions, you know, right now, you know, just feel free to text them in. And so for the next 45 minutes or so, we had a Q&A period. And uh, I, I, I think it's interesting that even though I did not have the assignment of the weekend for talking at all about what I call the poster children of evolution, um, that being dinosaurs, and in my judgment, they have been used to teach, especially young people and kids, the theory of evolution uh, more than anything I've ever seen, that that particular weekend I got three times more questions about dinosaurs, if I remember correctly, than any other question that I received. That doesn't mean I didn't receive and answer other questions. But more than anything I've ever seen, whether you think about um, you know, apes or ape-like creatures or the geologic column, uh, I suppose the geologic column and the alleged ages of the earth being billions of years old, that is extremely fundamental to atheistic evolution. And by the way, there's no proof for that whatsoever. And there's a good book in the back called Flooded uh, that uh, Dr. Jeff Miller wrote that is an outstanding treatment of that subject having to do with creation and flood science. And uh, I think that young people and adults can learn a whole lot from that. But as far as just catching someone's attention and trying to, especially children, trying to get them to think about evolutionary theory being true, dinosaurs have been used for that more than anything I've ever seen. You know, just to give you an example, I think most people have heard of Bill Nye, the quote-unquote science guy. I might contend that he's more of the pseudo-science guy, but he said in a YouTube video that you can just probably pull up and uh, just search on YouTube, he said um, this about evolution and about people not believing in it. He said, once in a while I get people that really or that claim they don't believe in evolution. And where does he go from there? And my response generally is, well, why not? Really, why not? I mean... Here are these ancient dinosaur bones or fossils, as if seeing a dinosaur fossil somehow should immediately mean to you and me that, well, that means evolution is true. But seeing a dinosaur fossil no more proves evolution than seeing a shark fossil or uh, seeing any kind of fish fossil or plant fossil like the ginkgo tree the ginkgo tree that is fossilized in layers of rock that's supposedly tens or hundreds of millions of years old and that looks the same as it does today. You know, there's a whole group of animals that people call living fossils. Think about that. That almost sounds like, it sounds like an oxymoron, right? Living fossils. And the reason they call them living fossils is because they look the same today as they did supposedly tens or hundreds of millions of years ago. Maybe that should tell us something about how evolution doesn't happen. That is, these broad changes where different kinds of animals allegedly evolve into different kinds of animals. Now, do, do, are there variations within kinds? Absolutely. Are there variations within the dog kind? 
All you have to do is look at a what? To look at some big Weimaraner or a Great Dane or some kind of, look at a, a, a mid-sized bulldog and then look at a Chihuahua that I talked about last night, right? And uh, Chihuahua, for those of you who weren't here last night. Uh, and you see there's a great variety within kinds, but there's no evidence whatsoever of evolution. Do you know what evolutionists tell us about whales? Now, the evolution of the whale, and this is supposedly like, you're not supposed to smirk at this, you're not supposed to make fun of it. I was reading a book by someone who claims to be a sister in Christ, and she wrote a book on uh, having to do with evolution, making fun of creationism and Noah's Ark and all of that, and she acted like, yes, it's a no-brainer that what happened is that fish, that you had fish that evolved first, and those fish flopped out of water, and they became, you know, uh, eventually became amphibians and reptiles and then mammals and then those mammals some mammal like a, a fox-like creature waded back out into the water and then eventually their nose became their blowhole and their tail became a fluke and their legs became fins and they became mammals in the water like dolphins and whales and we're supposed to look at that with a straight face like yeah that makes perfect sense and so, you know, the idea that, well, look at these dinosaur fossils. Well, what, well, how does a dinosaur fossil in any way prove that evolution? And it's as if, and I've seen this through the years, it's as if that's like enough said. Like, hey, hey, look at the dinosaur fossils. They prove evolution. Evolution is true. You should believe it. You should believe that we came from ape-like creatures. And by the way, this one woman who wrote this book, and there are a lot of so-called Christians who believe these kind of things, they actually believe that Adam and Eve, she basically says as such in her book that they were not the first two human beings. Or if some people think that they were, they actually did evolve from allegedly ape-like creatures that came from eventually, you know, going back far enough, reptiles that came from amphibians and such, that came from fish, and that when finally there were ape-like creatures that were enough like humans, God then just instilled a soul into them. And so this is supposedly what some, you know, uh, so-called Christians believe. There's a book titled uh, Abusing Science, The Case Against Creationism, which the renowned Stephen Jay Gould of years ago called a brilliant book. And in this book, the author Kitcher, Kitcher claimed that solid evidence for the coexistence of dinosaurs and humans would shake the foundations of evolutionary theory because, of course, the dinosaurs are supposed to have been long extinct by the time the hominids arrived on the scene. Just one more example before we kind of get into the evidence here this morning. This was an email I received or we received at AP a few years ago from a mother who said, this is so scary, I'm battling this with my 15-year-old right now. I should have started earlier, but the things that affected me don't affect him and vice versa. Dinosaurs were the beginning of our problems. I'm so afraid of losing him to the world. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but my guess is that I could ask the question, how many of you, you know, your faith was easily shaken at some point in time because of dinosaurs? Well, it, it's probably the case that it's not many of you, especially not many of the older ones, supposedly. I mean, it was, it, most likely. But do you know that there are things that affect and that tempt and that try and that test maybe a younger generation that did not do so with the older generation? And that the older generation had, you know, we had our own problems, right? I mean, maybe we were, we were tested and tempted with other things. Well, here's a mom who said, well, you know, I, this wasn't a problem with me, but, but boy, it is with, with my 15-year-old. So, let's ask ourselves, what about this question of 
creation and evolution and dinosaurs, the, 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 the one of, if not the, icon of, of evolution. Well, if you are a Christian, and, and we should, as we've talked about this weekend, we should never be ashamed to stand up and to, you know, kindly, meekly, humbly. Meekly doesn't mean weakly. Meekly means what? It means, you know, strength and power under control. Our, our, our Lord and Savior was not weak. He was strong. Just think about Jesus. He's the creator of the universe. Have you ever thought about how when Jesus was upset and, you know, went and frustrated or mad about something, you know, he, he's so powerful, he could have just zapped people dead. I mean, he could have done all sorts of things, but he was power under control. I mean, all, all the times that the Pharisees and Sadducees were testing him and tempting him and trying to get him in trouble with the Jewish authorities or the Roman authorities, can you imagine, you know, what we would have done had we had the power of Jesus? I think I'm going to turn you into a frog. You know, we would do silly things and inappropriate things, and Jesus was power under control. Well, as we think about having the truth, we think about having the sword of the Spirit, you know, we, we want to wield that sword and carry it. We want to do it wisely, and we want to give an answer to everyone who asks us a reason of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. Not the fear of men, but as Peter had talked about earlier in that epistle, the fear of God understanding that we are God's and that God is uh, that we are his and and he is our God and we understand that he is the almighty infinite uncreated all-powerful Lord whom we serve and he is whom we fear and that's how we go through life and so it's appropriate for those who are Christians I'm not suggesting that this topic is something that we we bring up or that that atheists necessarily you know if an atheist comes up to me and says well Eric tell me about dinosaurs I mean, why do you believe that, they, that God created them? And why do you believe that they once inhabited this earth along with mankind during the week of creation? Well, I'm happy to have that conversation with them, but I eventually want to have a more important conversation with them, which is, well, let, let's talk about why you don't believe in God. But it might be that it comes from having a, an initial conversation. Because this is a question that a lot of people have. Well, as a Christian who believes that God exists and the Bible is His Word, it's important, it, especially if I'm talking to other Christians. And there are a lot of Christians, or so-called Christians, who have serious uh, questions about this. I was, I was preaching in northern Illinois several years ago, and there was a professor at the University of Northern Illinois who, uh, who actually was a member of the church, and he picked me up at the airport. And, 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 and I remember this from the conversation we had from the airport to his house. He said, Eric... I just have one question for you. He said, tell me about the dinosaurs. How do the dinosaurs fit into all of this? Well, from a biblical and, I would contend, a, a, a logical, reasonable standpoint, we can know that, that humans and dinosaurs once lived together on this planet. And what does the Bible say? Well, where are dinosaurs mentioned in the Bible? Well, as we've already talked about this weekend, the Bible is not a, a book necessarily of biology or astronomy or geology and it's not a book of taxonomy it's not a book to tell us about every animal that God ever created do you read about penguins in the Bible are you going to go to the Bible to learn about uh, aardvarks or anteaters or a number of other specific uh, kinds of animals the Bible was completed 1900 years ago and was fully translated into English by 1535 the English word dinosaur was not coined until 1842 more than 300 years after the first complete English 
translation. And the Bible wasn't originally written in English. It was Hebrew, Aramaic, and, and Greek. And so hundreds of years later, you have your first English translation, and then you have an English word that's invented. So should we ex expect to see this word in, you know, in the Greek or Hebrew or in the, the English translations, especially before 1842? Though most modern English Bible translators have elected to omit the term dinosaur, such exclusion doesn't necessarily mean that Bible writers refrain from mentioning dinosaurs or dinosaur-like creatures. And if you would like to know more about, the, in my judgment, the real likelihood that the animals that God was explaining and describing to Job in Job chapter 40 and Job chapter 41, you can you know, read that for free on the Apologetics Press website at apologeticspress.org or you can you know, check out the book in the back, Dinosaurs Unleashed. But I think it's very possible, as, as God had spoken to Job about a number of real animals that we'll briefly mention, Lord willing, in the worship period, at the end of Job chapter 38, all of Job chapter 39, all of these just real animals, then he begins to explain, you know, it's kind of the, the climax of God's speech to Job. He talks about two animals known as behemoth that had a tail that he swayed. He could swing like a cedar tree. You know any animals alive today that have tails that you would actually say? I mean, he's, he's impressing upon Job how, how amazing this animal is. And then the next creature you read about is Leviathan. Leviathan that, that had, basically, he, God says, there, there's no natural enemy of this animal. He is ferocious. He is vicious. He's a sea creature who can come out onto the land. He sounds more like what we used to call dragons than anything you have ever read before even could spew something like fire and smoke out of its mouth and this is God speaking to Job about this to impress upon Job God's omnipotence omniscience and his sovereignty over all of his creation whether or not they were exactly you know what we would call dinosaurs I don't know but they sure sound like dinosaur like creatures of some kind but you know it's real simple. It's not really as, as complicated as Job 40 and 41 as far as whether or not those two creatures were dinosaurs or dinosaur-like animals before. I know they don't sound like, they, they just don't sound like anything that's alive today. They sound like some kind of extinct animal and, and specifically a whole lot more like dinosaurs than anything else. But it's really much more simple than that. On day six of creation, God made land animals and by definition... Dinosaurs are land animals by definition. Now, are there all sorts of animals that are no longer alive today? Have you seen any dodo birds around lately? I mean, any saber-toothed tigers roaming around any parts of the earth that you know of? Now, listen, I've, been, I've not been to Australia, but I was on a campaign in New Zealand several years ago. I, di I didn't see any saber-toothed tigers down there. I'll be going, Lord willing, to Tanzania in about two months or a month and a half, and you think I'm going to run it? You know, I might see a lion out there, right? Might see an elephant. Do you think I'm going to see any saber-toothed tigers down in Tanzania? Probably not. Don't, they've been extinct for a while. Like hundreds and hundreds of other animals. And so when were those animals made? Well, the forefathers of those animals were made, as the Bible tells us, on the land animals on day six of creation. And, and who else was made on day six of creation? Well, the first human beings, whatever they look like. 
and they probably didn't look like you or me. That is, they probably had a, a, a skin color that was maybe a little bit more neutral, not so light, not so dark, so that their descendants became you know, darker in skin color and the same in skin color and much lighter in skin color. And that the first humans lived with what? They lived with all of the first kinds of animals, wherever those animals were. So we could talk a lot more about some of these things regarding a biblical perspective, but I think you're probably fairly well versed in this. It doesn't matter if you're talking about a grizzly bear, and I don't know what the first bear looked like. It probably didn't look quite like a, a grizzly bear. Today we have grizzly bears and polar bears and black bears and sloth bears and, and panda bears and We've got a lot of different kinds of bears. What did the first bear look like? I don't know. Did you know that you can cross, that that polar bears and grizzly bears can mate? Did you know that? That there was was a bear a few years ago that scientists called, I guess they could have called it other things, but they called it a pizzly bear because it was half polar bear, half grizzly bear. Were they the same kind of creature? Yes, absolutely. What did the first bear look like? I don't know, but Adam and Eve lived with it as with all the other kinds that God created. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. I was listening to a preacher one time on the radio. I don't know what his religious affiliation was, but, but he was reading Exodus 20:11, And this, was, this, was, this is what I recall his, kind of, uh, his main thought about Exodus 20:11 was. That's too simple. It's got to be more complicated than that. And so, because he felt like it had to be more complicated than just in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the sea, the, the earth, uh, the sea, and all that is in them, then he, had, he came up with some kind of convoluted theory of how really this had to have happened over billions of years of time. Do you read that anywhere in the Bible? No. You know, even though God is omniscient and knows all things, and he could have written the Bible like a, Calculus book times 10, I suppose. I only took pre-calculus, y'all. I, I never got past that. I went to college as a math major, and I decided, uh, in fact, I never took my first math class in college, and I changed my, my major. But God could have made the Bible a whole lot more difficult. But do you remember when Jesus was on earth, who heard him gladly? The Bible says, was it the, the highfalutin individuals who were looking for things to be as complicated as possible, or just the common people who heard him gladly? You know, the common person can understand the Bible. Eric can understand the Bible. You can understand the Bible. And I can understand in six days the Lord made everything. Everything in the heavens, everything on the earth, everything in the water, everything he made. God spoke it into existence. Okay, let's move on to what maybe you might be uh, interested in because you don't hear as much about it. What some of the physical evidence is about these creatures. I mean, you do find dinosaur fossils. By the way, they've been found on every single continent on Earth. Let that sink in for just a moment. North America, South America, Australia, Asia, Europe. Let's see, what am I leaving out here? Antarctica. Antarctica. Wait just a, wait just a minute. Antarctica. You mean they're, that's exactly right. Antarctica used to be very different than the way it is today. Scientists uh, believe that it used to have a climate more like the climate that you experience right here in the great state of Tennessee. And by the way, that was long before planes, trains, and automobiles. 
wonder what that has to say about the whole idea of global warming or climate change. I'm not suggesting that climate doesn't change. I'm not suggesting that since the worldwide flood, you might read more about this in the book we have called Flooded, that we haven't had a, a gradual rise in temperatures. But do you think that uh, you think if, if you were living in, uh, in Antarctica, you wouldn't mind it if it was maybe a little bit warmer down there? And you know what people have had to do for millennia? is when things change, they just move. So you know what, if the sea levels did rise a little bit and I was living on the, you know, I might not like the idea of not having my oceanfront property, but you know what, I wouldn't just stay there and die. You know what I'd do? I'd adapt, right? I'd just move somewhere else. I am not trying to make light of our stewardship of planet Earth, but I am saying that climate has been changing for thousands of years, and we know that. And even evolutionists, according to their evolutionary dating method, would say that, yes, long before man came along with planes, trains, and automobiles, and, and uh, you know, uh, coal-burning fires, and, and uh, the use of gasoline and oil and all that, Antarctica used to have a climate more like this, and then there was one or more ice ages, they would say, and we still have a lot of ice down in Antarctica. And we know that there is is fossilized, frozen vegetation, and even dinosaur fossils have been found there. Well, how old are these fossils? Well, what we're told is that these fossils go back 225 million years ago when dinosaurs allegedly first evolved, and then they died out about 60 million years ago. So allegedly they evolved about a quarter of a billion years ago. And you have to ask yourself, well, how, where did they get all of these, you know, ages? I mean, how do they know? You know that, that fossils are found in uh, nearly all fossils. I, I think it's safe to say 99.9% .9 of all fossils are found in what is called, is what is known as basically sandstone. It's a kind of hardened rock that occurs when there is some kind of granular-like uh, sand and there is some kind of flood or water that then hardens. And so when you go to the uh, Grand Canyon, what you see are layers and layers of layers of limestone, sandstone, and it's this kind of rock that you find, uh, that you find all sorts of fossils. Now, how do they date, how do they date those, those fossils? Well, it's, it's based on what layer of rock you're, well, how do they know what, how do they date that layer of rock? Well, they can't use, they can't use like the, what they call radiometric dating, really, to, to date that, that sandstone. They date the stone by the fossils, and they date the fossils by the, by the stone that it's in. But it, it's really a lot of circular reasoning. And the idea of, um, of radiometric dating, the dating of, of rocks that are not even sandstone, but that, that, that would appear lower in the geologic column, well, those dating methods are based on all sorts of assumptions. My point is, there is absolutely no actual proven evidence how old a layer of rock is or how old one of these fossils are. And you might say, well, Eric, what about radiocarbon dating? Well, they don't use radiocarbon dating to date fossils that are supposedly millions of years old. Well, why is that the case? Because radiocarbon dating only dates things, even evolutionists admit that could be hundreds or thousands of years old, period. I was talking to Dr. Mary Schweitzer, who is uh, someone who has studied these things and found some amazing fossils that I'll show you here in just a moment at uh, North Carolina State University. 
and she found some amazing dinosaur bones. And I said, well, you know, why don't you just go ahead, because there were some unique properties about these bones that I'll show you in a moment. And I said, why don't you just date them using your radiocarbon dating? I said, well, she said, that, what would be the point of that? Because if they, if they did have any carbon in them, that would show that it was hundreds or thousands of years old, maybe tens of thousands, according to their way of thinking. And she said, and we know these dinosaurs lived millions of years ago. So she wouldn't even use a dating method that would be much more creation-friendly, you might say. Not that it's not also based on a number of assumptions. Sorry about the messed up text here. Sometimes when you go from one computer to another computer, it looks a little differently. But, you know, just to give you an example of what, we're, what we were told in the past about, you know, certain things that are supposedly just absolutely factual. You can go back to 1957 and read about how the only mammals that were alive during the time of the dinosaurs were small, mostly mouse-sized and rare, and how this was repeated in 2005. They were basically chipmunk-sized creatures. Or in 2002 in U.S. News and World Report, how you know there weren't really any mammals that lived during the time of the dinosaurs, unless you're talking about just uh, you know little rat-like things. This has been repeated, regurgitated for decades. I mean, just mouse-like things. Interestingly, uh, it was reported in LiveScience.com how there were fossils unearthed in China just a few years ago of an animal several times larger than what evolution is previously believed to be possible during the time of the dinosaurs. One mammal discovered actually had remains of a five-inch-long dinosaur in its stomach. A little bit bigger than uh, just little chipmunk-sized things. A year later, it was announced that a mammal that looked more like a beaver, that's a lot bigger than a little shrew or chipmunk or rat-like thing. In China, in a layer of rock that was supposedly, this beaver one unearthed, that was supposedly 164 million years old, which is 100 million, according to evolutionary dating ideas, 100 million years before most evolutionist scientists believed that mammals could swim or grow larger than a shrew. The discovery of a furry beaver-like animal that lived in the time of the dinosaurs overturned more than a century of scientific thinking about Jurassic mammals. The find shows that the e ecological role of mammals in the time of the dinosaurs was far greater than previously thought. I just wanted to give you this example uh, among maybe another one or two to say there are a lot of things that people have been told in textbooks for years that one find can just overturn. Let me give you a, an example from archaeology for just a minute. There was a book that came out, I think it was in 2008, um, about Nazareth, the town of Nazareth. And this uh, gentleman who wrote the book, Renee Psalm, he came out and said... Nazareth was uninhabited in the time of Jesus. There was no Nazareth like you read about in the Bible during the time of Jesus. There is no archaeological proof of that whatsoever. The Jesus Nazareth is a myth. That's what he said. You know what happened one year later? One year later. He wrote this book like, hey, this is, this is it. He had all sorts of compliments about the book. And one year later, a house was unearthed in a layer of rock that even skeptics understand goes back to the time, uh, well, of the first century, proving that Nazareth was absolutely inhabited during the time of Jesus. You think that book's a very good seller today? You got to be careful saying, well, there is no proof that this ever 
you know, when you're talking about, you see, the absence of evidence when it comes to archaeology and uh, the, um, paleontology and those kinds of things, the absence of evidence is not necessarily evidence of absence. You know, I, I've not been everywhere around the world. If I say that, listen, there is no evidence that kangaroos actually exist. I've never seen a kangaroo. And any pictures that there have been that have, you know, that I've looked at in a book of kangaroos, they're simply made up because I've been, I've been on a lot of different places in a lot of different towns and a lot of different parts of the country and world, and I've never seen a kangaroo. Well, that doesn't mean kangaroos don't exist, right? So you, we should be careful assuming that because just because we haven't seen it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I mean, just to give you the, the example of Rene Psalm and his, you know, his great book on, on Nazareth that uh, actually was inhabited. One year later was proven to be the case. And so what has happened so often with textbooks that children are mesmerized by oftentimes is, well, this is the way it is, and this is how the fossil record, and wait just a minute, uh, actually that's not quite the way it is. Lobe fin fish are some of the so-called index fossils uh, in the fossil record that are supposedly millions of years old. And some of these fish are known as coelacanths. And allegedly they evolved more than 400 million years ago and disappeared from the fossil record 75 million years ago. Think about that. We talked earlier about how evolutionists say that dinosaurs evolved about 250 or 225 million years ago and died out about 60 million years ago. And so there was a long period of time where evolutionary scientists were absolutely convinced that coelacanths evolved before and died out before dinosaurs. And why did they think that? Because, well, they knew them only from the fossil record. And they were so sure of these dates that they called them an index fossil, which means when you see that fossil, you can know that that, you can know that, that rock must be somewhere between 75 million years old and 400, I guess go down, 400 million years old. Index fossils. So you, here you would have your coelacanths allegedly evolving 400 million years ago. In Science News, we read years ago that fossil coelacanths, which were first discovered in 1839, uh, for almost a century, paleontologists thought early coelacanths were close ancestors of the first vertebrates to walk on land. So some of the first creatures that allegedly, according to the, the godless theory of evolution, that flopped out of the water and became uh, land animals. Coelacanths were once thought to be the missing link in the evolution of fishes to amphibians. I don't know where fishes came from. I know where fish came from, though. I'm not really familiar with using fish like fishes, the plural, but maybe you all can explain that to me a little bit later, right? Well, guess what? Guess what has been discovered still alive today? Coelacanths. And they have been, they, they, were, they were living all this time, and people in certain parts of the world back when it was assumed in the early to almost mid-1800s and all the way into the, the 20th century, actually, it was assumed they could only be known from the fossil record, but there were people in India and in South Africa who had been catching these fish all along. 
so that uh, one day a scientist was walking around, I believe it was near Madagascar or the southern part of Africa, where he saw that there had been some fishermen who had caught, by the way, these are generally more deep water fish, which you would think, why would a deep water fish become the missing link between fish and land animals? But deep water fish that are occasionally caught, and today even some people have been uh, swimming with them and taking pictures of them. I mean, this is like, when you think about it from an evolutionary uh, time scale and perspective, this is like a living, a dinosaur still being alive today. Because these creatures, allegedly, we were told at one time, they died out. They became extinct before the dinosaurs did. They're still alive. I'm not suggesting that the animals that we call dinosaurs are still alive today, but I am saying there have been plenty of things we've been told that simply were untrue. You know, Dr. Mary Schweitzer, who I mentioned earlier, she made an quite amazing discovery a few years ago when uh, she found a dinosaur, they uncovered, excavated a dinosaur femur, and they intentionally broke it to get it on a helicopter because it was so heavy, as I understand it, and then took it back to a laboratory, and this was reported in 2005 in Science Magazine, which is no pro-creation or theistic magazine whatsoever. She reported that soft tissues are preserved within hind limb elements of Tyrannosaurus rex. Removal of the mineral phase reveals transparent, flexible, hollow blood vessels. Some regions of demineralized bone matrix are highly fibrous, and the matrix possesses elasticity and resilience. The demineralized fragment is flexible and resilient, and when stretched, returns to its original shape. Two years later, she wrote, her and her colleagues, demineralization of femur and tibia fragments revealed the preservation of fibrous, flexible, and apparent original tissues as well as apparent cells and blood cells. These are, this is an image that actually came from a Thessalosaurus vertebra that uh, we have been given permission from a creationist group because there are both evolutionists and creationists who are studying these things now and are finding the same thing. I mean, look at this stretchy tissue in um, so-called, you know, well, fossilized bones um, that are not completely fossilized or horns or different parts of the animal that are supposedly at least 60 plus million years old. Alan Boyle, former science editor of the not-so-conservative MSNBC, said today paleontologists are still stunned not only to find material that looks like dinosaur cartilage, blood vessels, blood cells, and bone cells, but to see the stuff in so many different specimens. There are a growing number of tissue samples. It's not a fluke. It's just not a fluke occurrence. It's something that more, that's more pervasive in the fossil record. This wasn't just an anomaly. You know, I, I suppose if, if you're like me and you find a fossil, which is rare, I don't know that I've ever just uh, found a fossil. Usually they've been given to me. Uh, I, I suppose maybe I found a few, but it, you know, when you get something like that, do you intentionally like, oh, I want to break this fossil and see what's inside? You know, most of the time you like your fossils what? You kind of would like them whole. You'd like to maybe display them and not have them all broken up. You know, I have some broken pieces of dinosaur, real dinosaur fossils in my office. Do I wish they weren't all broken up and like it, they were all just together? Well, yeah. 
And so it, it hasn't been just real normal for people to intentionally break their fossils, but when they did, and as they have been doing it more uh, seemingly recently, what they're finding inside when they take it back to the laboratory and study it is that these, these bones that are not completely fossilized, when studied under a microscope, what they're finding is they still have soft, flexible, fibrous, seemingly original tissues in them. The bone has not been completely changed into rock. You know, the, the elements in the rock, that's what fossilization is. The elements in the rock seep into the bone over time. And by the way, that doesn't take millions of years of time. Fossilization can happen, and, and we have proof that it can happen and does happen oftentimes fairly rapidly, like in decades or over centuries. They've excavated t a T-Rex and a Hadrosaur from Montana, a Titanosaurus from Madagascar. This is from all over the earth. And more sample fossils that uh, the evolutionary fossil hunter Jack Horner is finding in Mongolia as well as Montana. I suppose that's just about on the opposite sides of the planet. And what are even evolutionary um, paleontologists finding? They're finding soft, flexible, fibrous tissue in in dinosaur bones. Regarding the hadrosaur specimen found in Montana, Dr. Mary Schweitzer stated it's the freshest, if you will, dinosaur bone that has ever had this analysis conducted on it. What we're finding is absolutely incredible, amazing preservation. I'd say so if you think these things are 100 million years old. I'd say so. And yet they continue to say, oh, it's, it's you know what, they're 70 million years old uh, with soft tissue and including blood vessels. Who would have thought? Blood vessels, just miraculously preserved like that. The Baltimore Sun referred to this as miraculously preserved soft tissue from the femur of a 68 million year old T-Rex. But wait a minute, they don't believe in a miracle worker. I mean, atheistic evolutionists who are claiming that humans and dinosaurs never lived together, and there is no creator of either one of them, that they evolved by time and chance over many millions of years. Well, how do you have a miraculous preservation of these things? You see, they, what they really know is it would take a miracle for this kind of thing to happen. Soft, fibrous, flexible, stretchy, resilient, fresh dinosaur bones. And we're to believe that 70 million years old? Perhaps... The fresh dinosaur tissue is actually strong evidence that dinosaurs are not anywhere close to 70 million years old. Truly, it's, it's quite fascinating to me that this preservation has lasted a few thousand years. I mean, that's pretty impressive, right? But there's a whole lot of difference in a few thousand years and what? And tens of millions of years, I can't help but think maybe the Lord allowed us to uncover some of these things to try once again to get people to realize, hey, I'm telling you what my word says is true. This idea of atheistic evolution never happened. This idea of hundreds of millions of years of evolution from simple organisms into more complex organisms over time did not happen. By the way, these so-called simple organisms, I mean, when you think about a trilobite, the complexity of a trilobite eye that 
supposedly goes back and was very primitive hundreds of millions of years ago, it's quite complex. Well, how do you have such complex functional design? It looks like our time is just about up in Bible class, isn't it? Well, instead of showing any more slides, let me also say this. Sometimes we get the question, where, you know, I, I see, okay, you say what the Bible says, you, you've shown us some physical evidence, and there's, there's a lot more, by the way. I mean, the fact that human beings have talked about and illustrated dinosaur-like creatures that for thousands of years people call dragons. And you say, well, dragons are all make-believe, right? Well, um, you know, do you know there was a, a dinosaur fossil that was uncovered, actually a number of fossils, that they, uh, the, those who dug it up said, you know, these were dinosaur fossils, and there's no doubt about that today. But they called the creature Dracorex. And you can go to the Children's Museum in Indianapolis, Indiana, and, and see this if it's still there on display, and I believe it is. They called the creature Dracorex, which means Dragon King. And there were a number of statements that those who excavated this creature said, hey, this looks more like a dragon than, than anything. Well, how can you have a dinosaur that looks more like a dragon? And why would you even say that? That's not to say that all so-called dragon stories are real, but the point is that there are stories of people seeing and living with dragons that are, are hundreds or thousands of years old that have been found all over the planet. There was an article that one very staunch evolutionist put out a few years ago that said that the uh, flying dinosaur-like creatures, pterodactyl, pteranodon, quetzalcoatlus, and all sorts of other of those, you know, long reptilian winged flying creatures he said they sound more like the dragons of european legend than any animal that is on the earth or that has ever that we know has lived on the earth well that's interesting so you say they sound more like that well maybe that's because people actually did see them and talked about them at one time but some people say well eric i just don't see how humans could have ever lived with these animals as we have our precious children coming in let me just say this I've had, I've had people, when we first came out with Dinosaurs Unleashed many years ago, they said, Eric, I can't believe that you were showing people living with dinosaurs. The artist of the book uh, who, who illustrated many of the illustrations there, uh, Louis Lavoie, I said, well, do you not believe what the Bible teaches? He said, yes, but I just, can't, I just can't believe this. Well, I said, do you believe that Noah was on an ark with bears and lions and all sorts of other creatures. Do you believe that we live on this animal, this planet, with a bunch of amazing creatures, including whales and killer whales? Well, yeah. Well, how is it that we could live on this planet, even some people swimming with whales, blue whales, sperm whales, and other amazing creatures, and yet dinosaurs, the average dinosaur was the size, the average dinosaur, even according to evolutionists, was the size of a large buffalo. I mean, you've been to Yellowstone lately? I don't get out and play with the buffalo. I don't recommend it. But I know that we can thrive on this planet with buffaloes and lions and tigers and bears, even many of them being trained to do all sorts of amazing things. I have no problem believing that the same creator could create dinosaurs and humans in the same week of creation, on the same day of creation, and humans live with them for thousands of years. We might have chosen not to live right next door to them, but that doesn't mean we couldn't not have flourished on this planet. Thank you very much for your kind attention.